answer me? Second, or will he answer Jesus first? He looks at me through Christ. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's a great day to be alive. This is Yango Kutiyan coming to you. And uh, thank you for letting me come into your space today. And I'm glad that uh, this is the day the Lord has made and we're, we'll be glad and rejoice in it. And I trust that you'll be rejoicing and uh, thanking the Lord for this great and wonderful day. I'm going to be, we're going to be taking our discussion further today and uh, looking to concluding the discussion today. And it's on the, the supernatural uh, prayer, the supernatural wireless communication that God has given to us. Praise the name of the Lord. And so I'm going to ask us to uh, go ahead and turn to Ephesians 6. And I'm also going to ask you, you know, indulge me, please help share, share this to your different platforms to friends and loved ones, so excited that uh, you are with us. And I trust that you've been blessed. And uh, I just, uh, I am sincerely grateful and thankful for the different ones who've been, you know, getting back to us about how the the, the, the teachings have been a blessing to them. And I, I want to say something to you. The best way to keep something precious as this is to share it, give it away. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to begin once again there today from Ephesians 6. So this first text, uh, this is our text, Ephesians 6, from verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then verse 19, Paul continues and says, For me, so this is the way you also pray for ministers, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So we should be praying, you know, being that continuous flow of praying. And the way we do that is by praying in the Holy Ghost, you know, staying that, you know, regularly. Even after your devotion, you can maintain that flow of praying in the Holy Ghost, can pray under your breath when you're with people, when you have opportunity. You just keep that flow of uh, the Holy Ghost going in prayer. And then, of course, uh, let's go ahead and look at Luke. Luke. So turn with me here to Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 1. It says there, Luke 18, verse 1. Uh, let, me, let me try to get myself there and not to get ahead of myself. So Luke 18, verse 1 says, Then he, talking about the Lord Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. Another transition says, men ought always to pray and not to cave in. One says, don't give up praying. So prayer is something we should never give up. This is a supernatural wireless uh, communication system that God has given us to be able to communicate with him, change, you know, things around us, change the lives of people, impact people personally, and above all, bring the will of God to pass or bring the will of God to be established in this world, in this here and now. It's in praying we are connecting with that vital ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ of intercession. The Bible says, since he's been seated at the right hand of the Father, he ever lives to make intercession for us. And we, we can hook up with that ministry of his. Answers are flowing. He's just making requests on behalf of us. It's not on behalf of himself or the angels. They don't need anything. But making requests on our behalf to the Father. And from the Father, Answers are coming towards Jesus, unto Jesus, but we need to, the, the answers are needed in this here and now, in this world, so we can help bring those in the here and now. Now, let me touch on something here. One of these is we're going to talk more about that. 
about praying for believers. In fact, you see again and again with Paul, for example, here in Colossians 1. See, it's so beautiful. Paul and the early church was born in a, you know, in a prayer meeting, in an atmosphere of prayer. And you hear Paul, for instance, here in Colossians 1.3, we give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Did you get that? Praying always for you. So it's, it's, it's something we should be doing for believers. Hallelujah. You are a pastor. This is something you should be doing for your church people. Hallelujah. Praying for people that are coming to the, that are coming, you know, a new, a new births into the family of God. We should be sustaining them in prayer and praying for them regularly. Churches, you know, your children, your loved ones, somebody needs to be praying for them. And that's one of the reasons why you're filled with the Holy Ghost, to maintain this ministry and flow of prayer. And then you find Paul, he goes on there. I love the way he, uh, he continues here. Uh, uh, he says here in um, verse 9, For this reason, we also since that we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. See, these are Holy Ghost-inspired prayers that Paul was led to pray for believers. You should be praying these prayers for yourself. Pray this prayer for your children. But the Hagin said to him, he said concerning himself, that when the Lord gave him the revelation about this, he took upon himself praying these prayers regularly. And he said he prayed these prayers probably thousands of times. And at the end of it, the Lord began to give him revelations and visions and all of that. And that was something that really shaped this ministry. Hallelujah. And when we examine these prayers, everything the believer needs to be a success, to fulfill God's plan and purpose for their lives, is all contained in these prayers. He says, for this reason, we also, I says, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father, who has made us partakers of inheritance of the saints in light. See, you've got these prayers in, uh, uh, you've got these prayers in uh, Ephesians, you've got it in Thessalonians. In fact, I will encourage you, to go through the one in Ephesians. Ephesians, you have it right there in Ephesians 1 from verse 17. And also Ephesians 3, continues in Ephesians 3 from verse 14. And make it personal, pray it all the way to the end. For example, in uh, Ephesians 1, it says, The God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. So instead of saying give unto you, say give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of my understanding be enlightened. Thou know the hope he has called me to. See, that hope he has called you to is God's plan and purpose for your life. What Jesus has done for you and I by his death, burial, and resurrection. See, we pray that. And as you're praying it, you're meditating it. Hallelujah. And so one of these days, we're going to talk more about that. But I want to switch gears here and come to a vital tool concerning prayer here that every one of us should be tapping into. And I'm going to go to Isaiah 43 here. Isaiah 43. Right here in the book of Isaiah from verse 25. This is a vital tool all of us should be using in prayer. This is a core principle of effective praying. 
So Isaiah 43 verse 25 says, I, even I, the Lord is doing the speaking here, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Notice that. See, God wants intimacy so much with us. He says he blots out our sins, transgressions, iniquities. We, yeah, we think, oh, it's for my sake. No, God says for my own sake. Why? Because he wants intimate fellowship with us. He doesn't want something standing between us and him. That's how child-hungry and fellowship-hungry God is. He says, I will not remember your sins anymore. So God forgives, forgets, wipes it off, and, forget, and forgets that he's forgiving you. And he does, that, he does it that way every time. He says, I'll not remember your sins anymore. Put me in remembrance. He's not saying to put him in remembrance of the sins because he will not remember them. But put him in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. What? His word. Let us, you know, plead together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Hallelujah. So that's Isaiah 25. Uh, sorry, Isaiah 43, 25, and 26. This is a core principle of prayer. If you, if, you are, if you want to be mighty in prayer and being able to be effective in prayer, this has to be the pillar you go, go by. You know, in John 15, verse 7, Jesus made the statement and said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Herein is my Father glorified. Well, I'm made to understand that the literal Greek doesn't is, is, is more powerful than that. The literal Greek says, I command you to command me. That's how it goes. If my words abide in you, if my words abide in you, that you ask of me whatever you will, I will make it for you. And even if I don't have it, I'll make it for you. So I'm told the Greek, this kind of sounds like that. Hallelujah. See, God looks forward to that time of intimacy with us, communion with us, heart-to-heart communication in prayer. See, this is the bedrock of the prayer life in that we bring the Word of God to Him. And that Word abides in us. You see, the Word of God is what gives us the basis to come and have prayer, communion with God. Because in prayer, we're putting him in remembrance of his word. We're holding his word before him like a mirror so he can see himself. And he's bound to his word. He cannot break his word. That's how powerful prayer is. Now, let me show us an example here of where this principle was actually put to work. You see, when you go through the scriptures, you see this principle at work so many places. You remember on a certain day, I like to think about it on a Monday morning, kind of like, you know, uh, uh, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, woke up, and next thing he knows, three armies banded together are coming against him. And actually, when we break it, don't forget, Judah was broken out of Israel. Yes. And each of those armies was big enough to take on Judah independently. That's like having overwhelming, overwhelming problems. Have you ever had overwhelming problems? That you don't even know where to turn to and all of that? Well, this gives us the template on how to deal with it. And so when Jehoshaphat was given that, that was not pleasant news. But he knew there was no way he could get help from man. When we get to that place that we can't find help from man, what do we do? Well, we look up. God, the Bible says, is our ever-present help in time of trouble. And so when he heard about it, he called all Judah and all of that. And he said, look, let's call on God. 
we have a covenant with our God. He's given us his word. And listen to the way Jehoshaphat begins to pray before all Judah, even their little children and all of them all gathered. See, it's so good that when we come into these times of prayer, when we're facing family crisis, let our children know. Why? Because when they are a part of it and they see God move, they know, my goodness, this is God. And God or Jesus ceases to become just daddy's Jesus or mommy's Jesus, they begin to see Jesus as their, as their own Jesus as well. Hallelujah. When they can see God at work. So Jehoshaphat begins to pray. And right here in verse 6, and he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Can you see he's talking to God? And you can see he's pleading his case. And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before you for your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? You see, what is it doing? He's extolling the Lord. Hallelujah. And at the same time, reminding him of what he's done. And then it says, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name Sing. See, when Solomon dedicated that temple, you can see right there, I believe, uh, Second Chronicles uh, chapter, uh, 5 and chapter 6, you can see right there. So when Solomon dedicated that temple, Solomon had this long prayers that when people stand to pray any of those requests right there, based stand in the temple or standing before the temple or facing the temple because the presence of God was there, God will hear and help. So we find here in verse 9, it says, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine. See, they, they were not facing sword. You know, they were about to be taken into captivity and defeated. Yes, it says, We will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple. You know, the presence of God, his name, the power of God. And cry out to you in our affliction. And it says, You will hear and save. That's what God had promised when he had Solomon build the temple. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you will not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. So what is he saying? Lord, we could have wiped out those people, but you are the one who told us not to wipe them out. Had we wiped them out, this situation would not exist. Can you see him pleading the case, his own case, the case of Judah? For the, and it says here, but they turned around. They said, we don't let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned around from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Can you imagine that whole picture? The whole nation, their children, wives, everybody. Hallelujah. Now, Jehoshaphat has just pleaded his case. That's what he's done. Pleaded the case of the nation. And then verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jezel the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mathaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah. So what's happening here? The Lord is pleading his own case. Isn't that something? The Lord said, let us plead together. 
He says, and he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jura. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord is with you. So the Lord has played his, his, his own case and has given them victory. He's at the same time passed judgment. Isn't that beautiful? See, this is the key thing about prayers. You know, uh, Brother Higgins said, you know, told us about, I'm trying to remember the lady, this little red lady, her name is not coming to me. I think it's this Sister Sylvia or so, I think, I'm not sure, but I think that's her name. And she bragging talked talk about this prayer group in the church where he pastored. That, that's kind of he Hagen I'm talking about. You know, that these women got answers to requests. And the way he, was, he said, he said, make sure whatever request you, you, you give to them, you want it because they're going to get it for you. <laughs> and I remember Doc Jones saying he took it upon himself to go question this dear woman. And when he did, the woman said, one of the key things about how they prayed was that they will start out extolling the Lord, ministering to him. And then by the time they prayed, the aspect of the prayer was just a small part. See, they magnified God and ministered to him. And then they pleaded their case. That's what you see Joseph are doing here. And what happened? If you read the rest of the story, in fact, if you go down to verse uh, 27, if you go down to verse 27 here, what do we find? Then they return. You see what happened? Jehoshaphat and all and, and Judah defeated those people. They brought in jewelry, gold. They were gathering these things for days. Hallelujah. And they returned every man to Judah, verse 27, and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them. To go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord has made them rejoice over their enemies. Hallelujah. The Lord gave them victory. Big time victory. They had riches and all that. And the truth is, when you really analyze it, those three armies coming together, big problem as it were coming together, was just a big blessing in disguise for them to do the right thing. Hallelujah. Do you know a lot of problems that we have coming to us? are actually big blessings in disguise. Because at the end of the day, they got more territory, got more riches, hallelujah, and blessings. Isn't that something? Now, quickly, I want us to see another example here in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 4 here. Follow me. Acts 4. And let's begin reading from verse 23. You see, that the early church now, the Lord Jesus Christ has been resurrected and all that, and they're going about doing what the Lord told them to do, preaching the gospel. And of course, they're preaching the gospel in the name of Jesus. And then the religious order, the religious people, the Sanhedrin and other of them were forbidding them from preaching or using the name of Jesus. All right. And verse 23, I'm being let go. Listen now. They, they, they gathered together. They were not going to stop and disobey what the Lord had told them to do. Listen to what they did. He said, being let go, they went to their own companions or company, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard 
that they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. See, this is the essence, the substance of what they prayed. It's not necessarily saying they operate this one on, uh, 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 they, they operate this word for word, but this is the substance of it. You are God. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David said, you see now they're pleading their case. Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pentius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats. See this Spend the first part of it extolling the Lord, ministering to the Lord. Now, what's it doing? See, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with boldness. What happened? They kept on speaking more of the word of God. And as a result of what they prayed, what happened? Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. And then verse 33. And with great power, the apostle gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the and great grace was upon them all. Yeah, in this case, we don't have maybe a case where God moved on somebody you know, to begin to speak forth and give his word. But you can see God honored and answered their prayers. That's God also pleading his case. (laughs) With great power, we are told the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And they even did more. As you go further, what, what do we see there? More and more people were getting born again. More and more people were getting healed. The opposition that was coming against them was in no way stopping them. You know, friend, this is an excellent template for you to use in prayer. What are we talking about? Before you pray, find scriptures. Find scriptures that support exactly what you want to pray about. And bring those scriptures. Quote those scriptures to the Lord. Read them to the Lord. And on the basis of it, pray. Make requests. Hallelujah. You see, because prayer is based on legal grounds. That's what it is. We have authority to come in the name of Jesus by the blood of Jesus. And we stand and whatever we ask in Jesus' name, in line with God's word, God will have to do. Hallelujah. Dear friend, I really like to hope and believe You've been blessed by what we just shared. And I really want to you know, encourage you. So that's why it's so important. We don't just go praying. We have to take the word of God with us when we pray. So that it's imperative then we take time to know what the word of God says. The promises of God or what God has said belongs to us. And then we can use that as a basis of prayer. With that, we can change things. Like Brother Hagen said. In fact, in uh, uh, one of the stories I told you about that, I think her name is Sister Sylvia. And she said there was a case of a girl that had been missing for about 20 years or so. Nobody had heard from her. And these ladies were given this task to pray. And they began to pray and pray and pray. Imagine a girl that had not been seen, vanished for 20 years. And in their course of praying, just like what we said, they prayed. 
And Bible said, uh, Brother Higgins said, they came up with a word that the Lord told them within 30 days, that girl is going to be recovered. She No harm, she was going to come back home. Do you know within 30 days, the girl came back home, so she had been involved with a gang, and the head of that gang had fled with her and kept her bound in the house for that long, for those many years. Her children and all of that, nobody knew where she was. And then, within 30 days, just like they said, in answer to prayers, this girl, they got a letter within 30 days and she came home. Even though many, there were many men in the church who said, no, it's not of God, it's not of God, but God did it. So dear friend, I trust you're gonna take this seriously. Amen. Thank you for letting me come into your space, come into your home, whatever. Help us share this message and we'd love to hear from you. And it's from me once again till next time. Be blessed, keep on keeping on. It's indeed a great day to be alive. Blessings and love you.